At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This podcast episode contains content about drug abuse and addiction. It also contains adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Barbara Hall is waiting in her small white SUV as I pull into the parking spot next to her. Barb's good friend is driving her. We make eye contact, acknowledging we recognize one another, as this is the first time we've met face to face. I meet her in the parking lot of the McDonald's in Marble Hill, Missouri, the town where Barbara raised her two boys, Timmy and Michael. Before Timmy disappeared, Barb lived in the St. Louis area near Timmy, but now she resides with friends here in Bollinger County so she can concentrate on the status of her son. Timmy is gone. Nothing but silence since the end of February. Barb has long silver hair with bangs. Today her hair is pulled back into a loose bun. She's wearing glasses, a blue summery top and denim shorts, and she is wearing grief on her face. We walk into the McDonald's but there is country music playing in the background so we decide to find a different place to visit first going across the parking lot to a laundromat. It's empty except for a man chucking quarters into a game of chance where the machine pushes quarters forward in hopes that a windfall of coins drop for a modest profit. There are video games playing in the background here and dryers whirling in the adjacent room, so this too is not a good place for a quiet conversation, not ideal for recording purposes. Then we head to the park nearby. It's about 3.30 in the afternoon, and currently there are no children playing. We have the park to ourselves. We drive on the small road over to the shelter and park our vehicles there. It's a stunning day outside. The sun is bright, the temperature mild, and a light breeze passes under the shelter. Barb asks if it's okay to smoke, and I say that's fine, and she lights up the end of a cigarette while I fiddle with my recorders. This park is situated along the main route, Highway 34, through Marble Hill, which is the county seat of Bollinger County, Missouri. I once lived in this town back in the mid-1990s when I worked at the weekly newspaper. It was my first job in journalism. Around the time that I had that job, Timmy Dees was born in April of 1996. Many moons ago, my maternal grandfather, for a very short time, was a pastor of a church here. I know this town, but I've never felt a part of it like Barb does. Right now, Marble Hill is where she belongs. This park floods occasionally, or at least it used to when I used to live here. There are multiple little parks in Marble Hill, but this picnic table under this shelter seems as good as any place to do the interview. It's not perfect, but it'll get the job done. We're about to jump into the story of Timmy Dees, his disappearance, and the story of his mother, Barb, who picked up and moved to Bollinger County so she could be closer to the place her son was last seen. As we arrive here, we are alone as I start asking Barb questions about her personal nightmare. Midway through the interview, you'll begin to hear children in the background playing. They're the children of a school counselor who once had Barb's sons in school. 
Timmy Dees is a blonde-headed, blue-eyed kid, 25 years old. I say kid, but obviously he's a young adult. He was living in St. Louis with a full-time job. He's 5 foot 10, about 145 pounds. He was last seen wearing a Green Bay Packers hoodie, jeans, and blue Jordan Retro 4s on his feet. Photos show him to be a goofy, fun-loving person, quick to smile or laugh. Before his disappearance, Timmy had quite a difficult go of it. He lost his brother to an overdose, and he had his own problems with addiction. He was addressing those issues, but we'll get into that shortly. Timmy's face and story make quite an impression on people. A few days ago, I posted a brief note on the Lawless Files Facebook page about Barb and her determination to find Timmy. As I record this, the post has been shared well over 1,000 times, with a reach approaching 125,000. My hope is that all this attention will convince the right people, who are likely to have information about Timmy's whereabouts, to step forward. There is a $25,000 reward for information leading to his location. Information about his whereabouts should be directed to Sergeant Jeff Jansen at 573-840-9500. You can also leave tips on our website at www.thelawlessfiles.com. Barb is a woman on a mission. She has nothing to lose. She won't stop looking for her son, and she won't stop trying to bring justice for those who may be responsible for his fate. With every passing day, hope fades that Timmy will be found alive. Barb knows this. But this is her life now. It's a life where she talks to people who may have killed her son and conducts her own investigations, trying to piece together the story of Timmy's absence. This is a life where she drives three days a week to Fredericktown, Missouri, where Timmy was last seen, to hold signs begging the public to help her. It's a life where she finishes off a cigarette before pouring out the most excruciating details of her life to a journalist she just met. This is the life that led her to a park in a town where she raised her two boys, neither of whom are around to talk to her anymore. This is Barb Hall's life. This is Barb Hall's story. I guess we'll just start first by just, um, uh, well, first introducing you, um, Barbara Hall. Yes. You are Tim, Timmy D's mother, correct? Yes. yes. Um, and can you tell me just a little bit about Timmy, um, just his, his personality, his background, uh, where he grew up, things of that, so people can kind of get to know who uh, Timmy is and was? Timmy grew up here in Marble Hill. And uh, he liked music. He was laid back. It wasn't anything mean about Timmy. He just, it, he saw all the pictures mm -hmm. I have of him. There's, I, I can't even find a picture he's not smiling. Yeah. He was always a very happy baby. 
I mean, he just give you his shirt off his back. He was just a jokester, mm -hmm. liked to joke around, you know, get people laughing. He always told me he was for the underdog. Right. He's always a guy for the underdog. And just sweet. He was just sweet. And that's makes so, it hard. Yeah. So Timmy went missing in, in February. How old is he? Can you give us a kind of a... a he was 25 when he came up missing. 25 years old. Okay. And the pictures I've seen, he's got blonde hair, right? And blue eyes. Blue eyes. Uh, about how tall is he? 5'11". 5'11". Um and uh, so let's just talk a little bit uh, right off the bat here about um, the last time he was seen. Um, what were the circumstances that led up to his disappearance as you know them? Well, he was at my house on that Friday. Okay, this is February 20 well, something. Because he came up missing on the, the last anybody had heard from him was the 28th of February. Okay. And I talked to him and his dad talked to him on that Sunday. Okay. And Monday, that's, wait a minute, I'd have to look at the calendar. Yeah, that, sun, that set, uh, Sunday, his dad and I both talked to him. Monday came around, we didn't hear anything from him. So Tuesday came around, and it wasn't normal because Michael has lost his brother on June 19th of last year. It was a year this month. So he was, he was a, down over that he yeah. missed his brother and Caleb he grew up with okay. Caleb Nanny was a friend of that grew up with Timmy he lived at our house for a little while I took him bowling for the first time Timmy's dad actually bought him new shoes I mean he was Timmy's friend okay so let's back up a little bit before we get into that um where's where was Timmy living at the time he was living in Creek Court with his dad Creve Corps? Missouri. Okay, and that's up in the St. Louis area, mm -hmm. right? Okay, and uh, you were living... I live in Jefferson. I live in Fitton, Missouri. Fitton, Missouri. Okay, and so so he was living up in the St. Louis area. You were in Jefferson County. Yeah. Fitton, that's a little bit south of St. Louis. Yeah. And so uh, you're in both... Sounds like both you and uh, Timmy's father in contact with him frequently... Oh, kind of, daily. After, yeah. I mean, there would be maybe a day that would go by I wouldn't hear from Timmy, but that was not normal, you know. I mean, I heard from Timmy pretty much every day. But when his brother came up missing, there wasn't a day. You know, yeah. after his brother died, it was not a day that we didn't. What happened to his brother? His brother OD'd on uh, fentanyl. On fentanyl. Wow, that's, wow, you guys have been through a lot. I've lost both my kids in eight months. Oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um, so that was that. That was eight months prior to uh, Timmy's disappearance. Yeah. He died uh, June nineteenth. It was just a year this night. Oh my goodness. Um, so yeah. So I. So uh, Timmy and uh, his brothers. Was it Michael? Michael. Were they close then? Yes. Yeah, and they grew up here in Marble Hill. Is that right? Yes, I raised them here. Timmy's dad and I raised them here in Marble Hill. Okay. So, so is is Timmy working uh, at this at this point uh, in February or? Yes, Timmy has checks at his job okay. that he hasn't picked up. Over a thousand dollars worth of checks. Okay. Timmy was a rigger, so he worked for a local six union hall in St. Louis. Okay. 
he put up concerts. Oh, cool. So I've got a picture. I can yeah, show I've, you. well, I've seen some pictures. Yeah. I couldn't exactly tell what he was doing. Yeah, he hang up in the. He was up in the air. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So um, had a full time job. Was you know doing his thing. He Loved had, his job. Yeah, had good relationships with you guys. Lost his brother eight months earlier. The last picture he has on his Facebook page was the same Sunday that he talked to his dad and talked to me. Is a picture of him as when he was little, sitting on the couch with his dad, and he said, "Family's everything." Okay, so uh, February rolls around, and you you guys don't hear from him. Um, so take me through what happened there um, in in those days where you're not hearing from him. Uh, what? Well, the week that prior week, he stayed at my house for four days. Some of them pictures that I that you have are pictures that I had just taken. Uh-huh. With him sticking his tongue out, we were poking. Yeah. I mean, we goofed off. Yeah, yeah. He always would tease yeah. me, and we'd poke each other right. and stuff. Or he liked to get his back scratched yeah. <laughs> from his mom. Yeah, yeah. You know. And uh, he was at my house that Friday, and he's leaving with a friend. Then he. Uh, called me that Sunday and said that he was just, I, he didn't really even tell me, he just, he was, called me, told me, hey, I just want you to know I'm all right, because checking in. Yeah. Because after what happened to his brother, that mm-hmm. was, a, he knew yeah. that his dad and I worried about anything. Yeah. And you were talking daily. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got home from... Well, Monday came around, and I just kind of let it go because it's not like there hasn't been a time that Timmy didn't call me for a day. But after his brother passed, there was never a yeah. day I didn't talk to him. Yeah. Well, Tuesday, I went to church. I come home, and I physically felt sick. I mean, I, I don't know how to describe it, but I just felt sick to my stomach. I knew something was wrong. So I called St. Louis County Police Department. And I told the lady how I was feeling, and then it wasn't normal to not hear from Timmy. And she said, well, she was going to send a police officer to my house to uh, make a missing persons report. Well, then about five minutes later, she called me back. She goes, oh, well, you're in Jefferson County. So I called Jefferson County, and I wanted to make a police report. And they said, well, if you can tell us where he might be, you know, we'll go check him for, look for him. And I was like... Well, if I knew where he was, I'd go do it myself. Right, right. And they would not make a missing persons report at first, so I called the lady that I talked to at St. Louis County because she was so great to me. And she said, oh, yeah, you don't have to wait no 48 hours or anything. You call them back and tell them you want to make a missing persons report. So that's what I did. And then they came back to my I called them. They came to my house, made the missing persons report, and then I found out that Timmy was in Frederick Town with Caleb. Okay, so how'd you find that out? Remember? That Timmy's dad. Okay. Timmy's dad told me. Okay. This is the point in the interview where Barb is going to talk about what she's come to know and understand. She'll be talking about Timmy's friend Caleb and a little bit about Caleb's friend Trevor. I've reached out to Caleb on Messenger with no response. If Caleb or Trevor want to be interviewed to give their side of this story, I'm happy to accommodate that. What we're hearing here is Barb's version of events. She was able to provide certain things during our interview, such as screenshots of text and even some audio of conversations she's had. But beyond that, 
I'm not really able to independently confirm what she's saying, and no one has yet been charged with any crime directly relating to Timmy's disappearance. Many claims of foul play have been circulating social media from Timmy's friends and family. So you find out that he was with a friend, Caleb. Caleb Nanny. Uh, in Fredericktown. In Frederick. Last name was what? Nanny? Nanny. N-A-N-N-E-Y? Yes. In Frederick. But he goes by Kelly on Facebook. Okay, so... Um, and, and you kind of mentioned this before when we were kind of starting out, but um, childhood friends, right? Oh, yeah. Caleb yeah. stayed in our house. Timmy's dad and I split up when Timmy was, I'm going to say, nine. Yeah. And uh, when Timmy would go, because I stayed here in Marble Hill. His dad moved up to St. Louis. Timmy would go up to St. Louis on the weekends to be with his dad, mm-hmm. and he would even take Caleb with him. So Timmy's dad would even take Caleb on his visitations with Timmy and take him bowling or swimming and bought him clothes. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. So they were they were best friends childhood, sounds like. Yeah. And uh, so it wouldn't have been anything out of the normal for him to go visit Caleb. First. Now, it had been a while. Yeah. We had known that Timmy hadn't seen Caleb in a while. But to, for Timmy to have trusted to go with Caleb, no, that wouldn't have been yeah. anything that we would have been concerned about. Okay. Tell me about how you looked into that or, or what, how did the whatever investigation move from there? You find out that he went to Caleb's in Fredericktown. Mm-hmm. Then, then, then what happens? Then I find out that Caleb's in jail. Okay. So I call the jail, left him my phone number, put money on Caleb's books so Caleb could call me, and I asked the jailer to give Caleb my phone number. Okay. Caleb calls me. First, he said he was mad about some gas, that Timmy was supposed to have paid for some gas, and he didn't, and he was all mad. And I said, well, where is Timmy? And he went, I don't know where he's at, he said. Yeah. So then. So what was Caleb in, in jail for? Do you know? Apparently, he had priors in Iron County. Okay. Or was on probation violation or something. I'm not real sure. I know the lady that lives in the house that Caleb calls grandma went and paid for the gas because the gas wasn't paid for. Okay. Caleb Nanny, or Caleb Kelly as he is also known, has a fairly lengthy, although non-violent criminal record according to CaseNet, which is Missouri's online criminal court record search. He has been arrested on multiple DWI marijuana charges. In 2014, Nanny was served a warrant for a probation violation for failure to appear. He has several traffic infractions, multiple of them relating to operating a vehicle without a valid license or a suspended license. He was put on five years supervised probation in June of 2020 when he was issued a suspended imposition of sentence for driving while revoked slash suspended. On June 16th of this year, Nanny was charged with owning and operating a vehicle without maintaining financial responsibility. And I don't know if this has any significance to the missing person case or not, but Nanny was charged with possession of marijuana on February 16th, less than two weeks before Timmy was reported missing. Then the next day, I get another phone call from Caleb. The story had changed that he saw Timmy pay for the gas. So he wasn't mad at Timmy because he saw Timmy pay for the gas. But I found out that's not true. So where was this gas station at? It's the Sea Barn in Fredericktown. Sea Barn in Fredericktown. So the 
there's something that happened at Seabarn in Fredericktown. There's a seems to be some discrepancy whether Timmy paid for the gas or not. Right. Okay. First, Caleb told me he didn't. Then he told me he did, that he saw Timmy pay for the gas. I don't know if there's, okay. to was me, there, if there's was there some, some kind sort of cover-up there. That yeah. you're trying, because first, you're mad at him when you talk to me the first time about the gas not being paid yeah. for. The second time you call me, you're trying to convince me that you saw Timmy pay for the gas. So that kind of made me a little suspicious. Yeah. And, I saw, and there is video recordings of Timmy at the gas station with Caleb at 1.30 a.m. on the... 28th of February, okay. and he was alive and fine and well at that time. Okay, so that we have concrete proof that he was with Caleb February 28th at early morning hours. Yeah. Did, did they have any information whether he paid for the gas or not? Oh, no, he didn't. The gas was not paid for. It was not paid for. Was there a call made to the police or, or anything like that? Is that uh, apparently later on, I guess there was. Okay. All right. So the next thing I know from from what happened with Timmy was there was a call made from Timmy's phone at 4.40 in the morning. Okay. And I've been told all this time that it was saying that Timmy said somebody was chasing him. And Caleb told me that. And I asked Caleb on the phone at the, when he was in the police station, why did the police come there in the first place? Caleb said because Timmy was outside making noise. Okay, so... So it's four four o'clock in the morning. Four forty. Four forty in the morning, and the police arrived t- there. Okay, police. Or, did Timmy make that phone call to police then? Yes. Okay, and this is. But for, that's not what Caleb told me in the beginning. Okay. Okay. When Caleb was giving me the phone calls before I knew about the four nine one one call, Caleb told me on the phone that I said, Tim, I, Caleb, why are you in jail? First of all, was mm-hmm. my first question. And he said, because the gas wasn't paid for. Then it went from the gas wasn't paid for to he had a violation of probation or something. And and I, and he was mad. Timmy caused him to lose everything, he said. That went from that to then, like I said, the gas was paid for. And I said, well, why did the police go there in the, in the first place? And he said, because Timmy was outside making noise and the neighbors called the police. Okay, so this was 440 in the – where was this at? Uh, one one. This was at 115 the, Village Creek Road. 115 Village Creek Road. And uh, is that Caleb's place or that's – It's Caleb – well, it's Trevor. Okay. It's aunt, but Caleb's – he calls her a grandma, but I, from what I understand now, they're not related. But okay. he didn't live in the house. He lived in a little barn or shack or – I don't know what you call it next door to the house. Okay. It's behind the house. Like a, like a barn house type of thing? Yeah. Like okay. a shed that looks like a – you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they're, they're at this place in, uh, outside Fredertown. Yeah, Madison County. It's in Madison County, outside Fredertown city limits. Right. And a neighbor calls, uh, allegedly because, uh, Timmy's making some noise. That's what Caleb told me. Okay. Okay. But I found out different. I found out Timmy actually made a 911 call at 440 in the morning. He's the one that made the call. Okay. Caleb told me that the cops got called there because uh, Timmy was outside making noise. Okay, okay, okay. So we've got a discrepancy on how the, the cops got there. Okay. So what did the police say about that? What the cop? That's how I found out that Timmy okay. made a 911 call. Okay. So, <laughs> so so Timmy makes a phone a 911 call at 4:40 in the morning. Did right. The, 
So did they say what uh, he was calling about? Said his friend was threatening him. Okay. But see, Caleb led me. I just found this out that his friend was threatening him. I mean, I got the paperwork. Before that, I was believing what Caleb had told me and what everybody had been telling me was Timmy said on the call that somebody was chasing him. But I just recently got the paperwork and it didn't say that. It says my friend is threatening me. Okay. So, but he didn't he didn't mention who the friend was. No, well, the only friend he had was Caleb. Okay. Because Timmy didn't know anybody else. You mentioned uh, somebody named Trevor. Yes, and that's a friend. I don't know if it's a relative of Caleb's or not. Trevor Hotland. Okay, Trevor Hotland. Okay, okay, so he was was he there that night? He was apparently there fixing a tire. I've gotten so many different <laughs> stories. It's crazy, but he was arrested at 4:40. He was arrested. Okay. At 4:40 in the morning. 4:43 or eight, something like that. Okay, so we've we've got an uh, arrest at that phone. Trevor Holland also has a few knocks on his record. I can't find any record on CaseNet where Trevor was charged with anything resulting from a February incident. He entered a guilty plea on a miscellaneous weapon violation on January 18th of 2022. Other than that, he's got some traffic and license plate infractions. I have seen Facebook interactions where Trevor vehemently denies any involvement in Timmy's disappearance and said he was willing to take a polygraph test to clear himself. I'm told he was scheduled to have a polygraph taken on July 1st of this year. Quote, Ma'am, I'm so tired of people asking me about this, he said in one reply on Facebook. I had absolutely nothing to do with this shit, yet my name is the only one on here. I feel for y'all, I do. That's why I haven't said much, but come on. Look, I'm trying to be nice about this, but for real, I don't give a fuck what I am in your eyes or anybody else's. But if I could help that dude find his son, I motherfucking would. So in my eyes, end the fucking story. Okay, so an arrest of Trevor, we've got an arrest of Caleb. Caleb Not yet. Caleb wasn't yet, that was that later. That was later. Okay, so the phone calls made to the, the police by Timmy said a friend was chasing him police show up at the place they arrest Trevor okay um did, for did, uh, uh not appearing in court or something okay so it was for a, a different a different charge but had warrants out for him or, or something yeah, he had warrants. warrants out for his arrest okay okay so he's taken away Caleb still there um do we know anything that happened after that? It's a mystery. Okay. Okay, so that's the last that we know of. Officers. And one of the strange questions is there, too, is they said they don't record the 911 calls. How did they know to go to the address? That's one of my questions. How would you know to go to a, that address? If Timmy only said my friend's threatening me, how did the police know to go to that address? Is that address on the form at all? I mean, did they write it down? Did they send it out? Or It's on the piece of paper that I the, have. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, they can dispatch that out. That doesn't necessarily have to be recorded, um, but it is weird. Well, that wouldn't that person record. have to say, I'm at this address for the Magala? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but, what I'm saying. Yeah. They're okay. not. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so then what happens? Uh... 
So you're so just then, kind of piecing this all together all, over all of these months, but early on, well, you, you probably just don't know what's going on. No. You're just kind I of just know my son's missing. Yeah. Something happened. Yeah. Um, and then at 8.30 in the morning, I have some text. I have a text message, which is of Caleb texting this girl, Bobby Boone's roommate, saying that he's gonna fetch Timmy said it. Caleb is. Okay, so you've got copies of text messages? I got one text message. Okay, from, uh, that's allegedly from Caleb? Oh, they're from Caleb. From Caleb to this girl, girl Bobby Boom. Okay. Roommate, I don't know her name. Okay, that says what again? He's gonna bash Timmy's head in. Did, so do we know why? Don't know. It's a mystery. Yeah. My son just vanished. I mean, I'll show you the text. <clears throat> oh, that's okay. But then about, from what I'm understanding, around 9 o'clock is when they came back and they arrested Caleb because of the gas situation. But then the woman that lives in the house, that's Trevor's aunt, that's supposed to be Caleb's yeah. grandma. I right. mean, it's a big mess, but um, she uh, went and paid for the gas. So Caleb stayed in jail for 40 days. Caleb stays in jail for 40 days. He was arrested the day after, and was that also on warrants? Or was it? I guess he must have been in trouble for something else. Yeah. Because he got arrested and he stayed in jail for 40 days. Okay. I don't know what. Okay, and that was that was Madison County. No, Iron County. Iron County. He went to Iron County. Okay. Well, he he's in jail in Iron County. All right. Um. Can I? Can you send this to me? Yeah. I'll read that. Well, I didn't see what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that's Caleb's face. You can't see who he's. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking at a uh, text message here. Um, And. So this, so that's. No, that's Timmy's dad sent that to me. Okay, okay. So that All right. Him. So, um, basically, what it's it's saying is that, um, Timmy got sketched out and stole some stuff and ran off. Uh, so I'm pissed. So this is coming from Caleb. Yes. Okay, and so. Um, the other person, the the girl, want to go beat him up and then responds, I kind of do, but at this point in time, I have no clue where he's at. And then the, the response is, I see, well, if I do see him, I'll knock him upside his head. And he says, straight up, when I see him, I'm fucking him up. And then there's a, there's a picture there. Yeah, that's of, Caleb. Picture of Caleb there. Okay. All right, so 
When did you get that? Is that? I got it. Months ago? Yeah. Yeah. So, um. So to me, you see something like that. Caleb knows, and, and then I see the paper saying that, to me saying his friend's threatening him. Yeah. And he's gone. So. Yeah. So we've, so we've got, um. A document showing that that He's Timmy him. was afraid of his friend. Yes. We've got a, a text mess message chain from Caleb saying that he was, you know, going to beat Timmy up. Correct. And we have Timmy who's not been seen since the 28th. Since the 28th. Um. My goodness. I know. Um. What, 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 so who's in charge of this investigation? I know that you said that you, um, Highway Patrol. Is the Highway Patrol? Um, E, I'm thinking. Troopy? Troopy. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, because we've got. And there's the, another person that was there too. And there was a girl that was there. Okay, so how it do we know? Mike Busking was there. How, so how do we know that? Because when the police went there and arrested Trevor, I mean, I mean Caleb, Mike Busking was in there, in the camper or wherever he's at back there sleeping. That aunt, Trevor's aunt, even admitted to she had to run him off. And he's a, from what I understand, a 47-year-old meth cooker. And everybody's afraid of him. Okay. So, uh, would you say it's busking? Busking. My, busking. Busking. Okay, so he was there at the same ad address where the cops were called that night? Yes, he was there too. And you said there was another woman uh, that was there? Yes. Okay. So, we've got potential witnesses. Yes. Um, say the, uh, the highway patrol is involved with this investigation. What about, is, is Fredericktown involved? Is Madison County involved? Madison County was actually there yesterday with us searching. Okay. Because we've heard some stories about them going after Timmy, so. Did they, I guess they didn't resolve. We didn't, didn't resolve. Okay. No. We right. did search. Okay. Did, have, did they have like the cadaver dogs or Not anything like that? But we have had, first, the first search we had was family and friends. The second search we had was a friend of mine's husband, or a friend of mine's niece's husband works for a sh uh, sheriff's department. He brought cadaver dogs. And uh, where did you guys search? Like near this? this right, that behind that whole area behind 115 Village Creek Road. Okay. And they hit on these storage sheds, five and six. They opened the storage shed five, but would not open the storage shed. The shed six. Who, who's they? The police. Okay, so did you were you given a reason for that or? He said that they had already been searched. It had already been searched. The police officers. Oh. Okay. Um. Where's Caleb at now? He lives with his girlfriend Amber Green. Where's that at? In Frederick, huh? Okay. Okay. 
and he has went back to jail since he's got out. Again, okay. Yes. Okay. And he formed a drug test for failing a drug test. Okay. Spent a few days in jail, got out, and uh, is back with Amber, and he said he would do a lie detector test a couple of times. And when they went to get him to do the lie detector test, he was gone. And then when they questioned him, he asked for a lawyer. Okay, so they are involved in investigating him. That's, I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. Does, uh, does Timmy have a, a, a drug history? Timmy had a car accident. One of the pictures in this, um, in the videos, one of these pictures, he looks really, he does look like he's strung out and he's, he had a bad car accident and he broke his neck, his pelvis and his back. Oh, wow. And he had a brain bleed. And uh, he got addicted to pain pills. Mm. So he knew he had a problem with pain pills. So one of the pictures that's on them flyers that I have where he's sticking his tongue out and mm -hmm. he's got that pod thing in mm -hmm. his mouth is next to the doctor's office that he goes and he would get a shot every month. And he was current on his shot. I just took that picture. Okay. Because he knew he had a problem. Okay. So he was willing and got a shot so that he could not, I don't know what the name of the shot is. I'm sure you probably know more yeah, about I've, that than I've, I do. Yeah, I've heard of it. Uh, but he went every month. Is, but, yeah. He went every month. And we always went to this Mexican restaurant. It was right there because yeah. he loved Mexican food. And yeah. And, and, and the, uh, the, the, the shot helps tamp down some of those uh, mm -hmm. urges and things, right. things like that. Yeah. And I, I'm sure he had to be uh, very aware and mindful what happened to his brother oh yeah you know oh. so he was down he would i would have to and i'm from what i'm understanding he was confiding in caleb and caleb's like you know i'll come over to st louis and pick you up and there was a zachary hold on a second i'll tell you his name zachary Do doyle that went up to St. Louis and picked up Timmy with Caleb. And a lot of people are saying, Timmy and I got in a fight and he owes money. And it's nothing like that. Timmy and I, this is the picture I'm talking about. That picture is us at the Mexican restaurant having, uh, you see that on the, my flyers. Mm -hmm. That was him and I goofing off yeah so after he had gotten his shot that day yeah. so that was what days weeks before uh the disappearance yeah yeah i yeah. mean yeah. he was current on his shot when he yeah. disappeared yeah i mean uh, see that's that when i that's the same picture though see he's sitting there with his food yeah 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 so uh was his has his phone been recovered by no. chance is there any way I should probably know this, but is there any way to, uh, his phone, I, from what I understand, pinged at that address. Okay. This is the last picture he posted on his Facebook page. Oh, is that his dad there? Yeah. Let's see. It says, yeah. Oh, it says family. So, I mean, he was on got. his social media every day. So not just because I had that sick feeling, but I haven't heard from him. It's two days. 
He hasn't been on any of his social media. If you look at my Facebook page, I didn't have not have a Facebook page. I made the Facebook page because mm -hmm. Timmy come up, listen. Yeah. And it took me two and a half days to friend request all his friends just because I wanted yeah. to find him. I knew something wasn't right. Mm -hmm. And this... Let's put it on Benjamin. And now he don't look like that either now. His hair is all cut off. And why would he say to me, I don't want you to think I'm, I would do anything to him? Why would I even want to think that? You're his friend, Caleb. I've known you since you were a little guy. Yeah. That's crazy to yeah. me. Yeah. And you see his actions in that? That's. Yeah. That, um, that's amazing. Um, tell me about um, how. You know, anybody who's got kids is just just can't imagine having to go through what you're going through. But your your life has been turned upside down. Um, tell me about what what you what you do when you go to Fredericktown and trying to wait, uh, raise awareness for this. I sit at the courthouse with signs, talk to the people. A lot of good people in that town. Actually, I like the town. I mean, it's a cute little mm -hmm. nice place. I would be if you drive through there and you would think it'd be a good place to raise your kids, small town, because I like small towns. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's why I stayed here in Marble Hill. I like small towns, but uh, there's a big drug problem there. Mm -hmm. And there's not one person that hasn't pulled over and told me that. I've had people tell me they can't. They have grandkids. Their kids are on drugs, so they're raising their grandkids, and they can't let their kids outside to play because there's a drug house next door. Um, I believe the laws need to be changed. This catch and release thing has just been hard from what I'm understanding, because I'm learning a lot here mm -hmm. going through this, that this catch and release thing is not keeping them in jail when they do catch them. And then it's small amounts. So it's a misdemeanor. Mm -hmm. Well, to me, you get three DWIs, then it's a felon, correct? Mm -hmm. I'm not an angel. I got two DWIs myself. I'm not perfect. I had a drinking problem in my life many years ago, but I don't understand why if we have the DWIs and after three things you're a felon, and you, why don't they do that for drugs? So what I really like to do is try to get the laws changed in that matter. I like to help a lot of the people. If anything good, I don't really feel like anything good is going to come out of me. I'm never going to get my son back. I mean, I hope to get his body back. I don't believe he's alive. I don't. I believe Caleb and them did something to him. But when Timmy was 17 years old, he always he called me on the phone. 
And that's what I always go back to. And that keeps me standing in God. Of course, God. God first. He told me his mom when I leave this, you know, he was 17. He was trying to decide what he wanted to do with his life. He said, I don't really know what I want to do with my life. And they were going through talking about it at school, you know, what you do for the rest of your life. He said, I want my name to mean something when I leave the source someday. And I'm, now that this has happened, I'm thinking, is that what it was? Because we need change. There's a lot of drugs in that town and these older people are cooking these drugs and are taking advantage of innocent, naive, by no means do I want to say my son's stupid, but he trusted. And he always saw the good things in people. And it's jacked up that I feel like he was preyed upon. And it's wrong for the older people to be preying on these younger people. I'm sorry. You're okay. And Timmy used to always tell me that I was like the strongest person he knew. Because uh, honestly, my childhood sucked. My mom and took my sister and brother and I to a babysitter's when I was five. Because she had a drug problem and she gave us to people we didn't even know. So I've had to survive a lot of terrible things in my life. And Timmy knew that. And we talked. Timmy and I were close, and so was my son Michael and I. Michael had some mental problems, and he self-medicated. And I got Michael, tried to get Michael some help. They put him in the hospital for a 96-hour hold. I had to go see a judge, go through counseling, get a judge to sign papers, put him on a 96-hour hold. They released him, and then he couldn't afford his medication. So he went back to doing the drugs. And we I lost him. But I mean, Timmy and I talked about all this stuff. I mean. I uh, I learned about this um you know when I when I for the Lawless Files podcast I put out some messages um talking about Jesse Wolfong and, and a lot of people reached out uh, to me saying, I need to look into this case. It seems like you do have a lot of support from people um, in your circle and, and others. Um, what what can people do for you at this point? Is there anything? I don't know what to do. Yeah. I just don't know. People talk sometimes, you know. Yeah. So hopefully someone will talk and uh, information will, will come out. That's what out. I'm praying for. Yeah. And I do believe. I mean, I believe in God. I have a strong relationship with my Lord and Savior. At this point, I, I I have learned not to fear anything. I don't fear anything anymore. I have nothing to fear. Mm-hmm. If my kids are gone, I have nothing to fear. The worst thing that could happen to me is they kill me, and I'm going to go to a better place than living here. Because yeah. it's sad. The world's sad with the drug problem. So I've learned to not fear anything. All right. So how often are law? You said there was a search done yesterday. I mean, I, in talking with you previously, I think that that's a 
pretty positive sign um, that they're they're working yeah yeah working with Katie sat down with me and gave me that report and uh, she set up got the search party together yesterday and I met with her and we walked but and Katie is the uh, sheriff yes. of Madison County yeah so uh, and I had a big problem with her in the beginning yeah <laughs> I'm not gonna yeah. lie well, well it's like nobody believed me yeah nobody wanted to believe that my son was missing and I'm like I'm telling you you know yeah. it's like I had to scream at the hilltop yeah and live on the court steps before anybody took me serious yeah sometimes that's what happens you have to raise all this awareness before uh before you get action but I'm glad to hear that it seems I'll like still be at the courthouse I yeah. mean you want to see my car all my billboards and everything are in the back of my car oh is that right yeah and that's yeah. what I sit with in the back of my car at the courthouse yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe we can take a picture of you here in a minute with your signs. I got a lot of them. Yeah. It's cost me over $500 to make all these signs. I've met some great people. They bring me water, mm -hmm. pull over, pray. Had a lady give me flowers, pray with me. Like I said, and every one of them is like, we, they're there. They're ready to support you in anything. They want their town back, but the drugs are taking over the town. Yeah. And they don't understand it. And I don't either. When we all can look around and see and know, and the whole town's talking about it, how does nothing get done? Yeah. Well, from what I'm understanding, it's the catch and release thing. When's the last time you've been to Mark 1? Oh, it's been years. Take a drive to Mark 1. Yeah, probably should do that sometime. It's not the same. Yeah, for those listening who, who are not aware, Mark One is a even smaller town just outside, what, about five, ten miles? From 200 Franklin. people. Yeah, 200 people. And it's considered Madison County. Yeah. Yeah. I've had women that are, well, I walked in the parade with my signs. Uh, I had walked through the, they had the festival after the parade and went through the parade and talked to people and. I had an older woman, she's probably, I'm going to say her late 70s, and she's sitting on the bench, I walk by, she says, ma'am, can I talk to you? <laughs> I mean, people are great. Mm -hmm. I said, sure, I sat down and talked to her, and she's like, I can't let my grandkids come out in the yard and play. And I go, why? She goes, because there's a drug house next door. She goes, and I can't let my kids play outside, my grandkids. She says, I tell the police they don't do nothing. Um... Is there anything else that you'd like people to know about Timmy or about this case? I'm not going anywhere till I find my son. part about doing this podcast is knowing what families are going through. It's always heartbreaking to hear parents talk about the voices that are no longer there. Whether it's Barb Hall or Kathy Wilfong or Esther or Marvin Lawless, it's always important to me, and by extension the Lawless Files, to never lose sight of a family's suffering. Crime is not entertainment, 
I'm a storyteller, don't get me wrong. But these stories are real. These victims left behind grieving families. You'll never hear jokes or casual banter on the Lawless Files. We believe that journalism and storytelling can play a role in justice, whether it be shedding light on a case that's not getting enough attention, exposing corruption, or even just informing people on how our system is supposed to work versus how it actually does. Our hope is that the Lawless Files moves justice forward. Before we sign off today, we'd like to take a moment to remember the families associated with recent murders and disappearances. Our thoughts are with Jesse Wilfong's family, which recently got news that murder charges have been filed in Jesse's case. We're happy to report that after a scare on Friday, Kaylee Eaves of Bollinger County was found and is safe following what appears to be a domestic abuse situation. The Cape Girardeau Bollinger County Major Case Squad was activated in that case after Kaylee's truck was abandoned and after she had posted photos of her injuries on social media. We shared that news to our Facebook page and discussion group as that story was unfolding, so we wanted to make mention of it here. We're glad to know she is safe, for lack of a better term, as she recovers from her injuries, and we're pleased to see that her alleged abuser is facing charges. The Lawless Files was produced in memory of Michelle Lawless, who was murdered on November 8, 1992. Michelle was never missing, but justice escaped that family in a horrible way. Much of the information in telling that story came from women once abused by suspects in Michelle's murder. All of our episodes are dedicated to the domestic violence victims who dared to speak to me despite those risks. The episode about the disappearance of Timmy Dees and Barb Hall's relentless pursuit to find him is being published on Independence Day of 2022. As we think about independence, let's remember those women who feel trapped in abusive situations. Please consider donating to your local women's safe house or shelter. The Lawless Files is a production of Leadhound Publishing, LLC. It's edited, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Bob Miller. You can support our efforts by purchasing our access pass at www.thelawlessfiles.com or sharing this podcast with your friends. Thank you for listening. Thank you.